You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we begin a new sermon series going through the book of Daniel. It's called Staying Faithful. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy. I invite you to turn in your, your Bibles this morning to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Uh, long ago, I say long ago, a few weeks ago, before we even started Jonah, I've been really praying and really seeking God's face and just praying where to go from here. I really like preaching through books of the Bible. And for some reason, I, I can't, I don't really know why, I just kept coming back to the book of Daniel. I keep seeing it everywhere and keep going led to go here. It's a little bit of a problem for me because, to be honest, Daniel is a book that I've never really preached through, at least the second half of the book. Uh, preaching on eschatological things makes me nervous. Uh, I don't believe a pastor should preach on things that, that he does not know, but this is what I do know. If the Holy Spirit leads you to preach on a book, you follow the Holy Spirit, and that's what I intend to do. If I've done my, my planning right, and, I've, and I, it, it could go differently, but if I've done my planning right, I think we'll go through the book of Daniel, and I think we'll finish about the week of Thanksgiving. And let me just tell you this, you will be very thankful you're an American whenever we get there. You'll be thankful for your relationship with Jesus whenever this series ends. So with that said, I'm going to try to go through this chapter by chapter. Instead of verse by verse, chapter by chapter, I encourage you to, to read along. I encourage you to study it during the week. Daniel is such a rich book. It's such a good book. And in my opinion, I think it's one of the best apologetic books in the world. Because when you go back and you read Daniel, you will see the things that he prophesied come down to, to just... It almost looks like a history book versus a prophecy book. Furthermore than that, I would argue that I don't know if there's a book in the Old Testament that points to Jesus as much as Daniel. So we're going to go chapter by chapter, and I'm going to, to preach the Word, and I'm going to share it with you, and I'm excited to begin this with you. Uh, so that being said, we're going to read chapter 1 this morning. What you need to know is that, and you're going to read it, they're, they're in a place called Babylon. Jeremiah, he, he cried out for years that, hey, uh, God's judgment was coming. There was going to be an exile. And in Daniel chapter 1, we find the author Daniel and his friends being carried off to this place called Babylon. So let's read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. The king instructed Shephanaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Stop there for just a moment. I want you to realize one point from this right here this morning. We know the Babylonian captivity lasted for 70 years. We also know, and you'll see as we go through it, that Daniel was there for the, the whole bout. So if we make the logical assumption that, that Daniel was... 85 years old, maybe 90 whenever he died. 
And you know that they came, that Daniel and his friends came when they were wise enough to learn a language and they had, we were gifted in understanding. Y'all do the math. That means that Daniel was probably around 15 to 18 years old at this time. These were young men. They were, they were young men. They were not old men. They were not gifted. They were not studied. They were just young men devout to serve the Lord. So remember that going forward. Verse 5, it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who has anointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then he would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezra, Please let your servants, please test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacy, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them for tested them ten days. At the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezra. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. So we read that, and this serves kind of as a foundation for what we're going to read going forward. And I know it's been a long time ago. I know Jesus has came. I know we, we live in a different area now. But I just want to tell you, I really resonate with Daniel and his friends here. Because more and more and more, I'm realizing that, that I'm not at home. More and more, I'm realizing that, that I'm a stranger in a foreign land. How hard, how hard it must have been for these teenage boys to stay faithful. They had lost everything they loved. They had lost their nation. Everything they had known had been taken from them. Their homes were gone. Their nation was gone. Their families was gone. And go look up what a eunuch is sometime and you will see that even their very manhood as a teenage boy was gone. Everything they loved was gone except one thing. They had one thing that Nebuchadnezzar could not take. And it's the one thing that I have that the enemy cannot take today. And that one thing was their faith. 
Church, know this morning, we are so blessed in Drop Prong. I mean, we, we've got a great nation. We are so blessed. But I want you to know that everything you have, every person you love, every possession you own can be taken away. But one thing that will never go away, one thing that nobody can take away from you is your faith. Your relationship with Jesus. The greatest thing that we have as believers is what can never be taken away is our faith. That serves as the backbone for the book because really this whole chapter is about staying faithful. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you find yourself today, whatever you have, whatever you don't have, whether you're healthy, whether you're sick, whether you've got a great big family or whether it's just you alone, I want to encourage you, don't run from the faith, embrace it. Stay faithful. Daniel and his friends did this from the very beginning right in chapter 1. So I've got three points. Three main points from this first chapter that we can apply today in our lives. First off, we should be faithful wherever we are. We should be faithful wherever we are. Why should we be faithful wherever we are? Well, I think you really see it in verses 1 and 2. We should be faithful wherever we are because God is in control. Daniel knew this. There's no doubt in my mind that Daniel knew about all these prophecies that Jeremiah had been crying out. But in verses 1 and 2, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now look at verse 4. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. It was the Lord. It was God that was in control. So look, I don't know about you this morning, but as for me, I'm going to stay faithful to the one who's in control. Look, my my king and ultimately my my greatest leader, just like Daniel, his greatest leader was it not the chief of the eunuchs. It was not Nebuchadnezzar. His king was the Lord of Lords. And I stand before you today and your attitude should be today that your king is not Joe Biden. It's not Donald Trump. My king isn't a Republican. It's not a Democrat. It's not a donkey. It's not an elephant. We look to the lion and the lamb, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God is the one that's in control. He's the reason I'm where I'm at today. And he's the reason he'll be where I'm at tomorrow. It's crucial that you understand that. If you can grab a hold that he's truly in control and you can truly hold on to that truth and you truly believe that with all your heart, then the rest of the book makes sense. Of course, God's in control. So I'm going to love him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to serve him and I will stay faithful to him wherever I find myself. And there are times in this life when we will find ourselves in the land of plenty, just like like Judah when things are going great and we'll find ourselves in the land of peace, surrounded by loved ones, surrounded by church family. And we will serve him there because he's in control. But we'll also find ourselves in a modern day Babylon like Daniel and his friends had when everything seems lost, when right seems wrong and everything seems to go away. I want you to know that God is in control then as well. I also want you to understand this. And we just read it in verse 2. And that's that God is in control of who is in control. It was God Himself who put Nebuchadnezzar on the throne. I mean, you see it in verse 2. It says, The Lord 
gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Not only did it do that, it said it gave it with some of the articles of the house of God. God ordained all of this. Now, I'm going to make probably the most controversial statement I've ever made at First Baptist Drive Prong, and it might get me in trouble. But I want you to understand this this morning. We're in a place today, and, and you may not like, you may not like that Joe Biden is our president. You may not like our, our local leaders or our national leaders. And you may have been surprised about the last election results, but church, I assure you that Jesus was not. And the fact of the matter is that just like Nebuchadnezzar was in power because God put him there, somehow, some reason that I don't know and I don't understand and I don't have to understand, Joe Biden is president because somehow, some way, he fits into God's plan. Look, it's important that we get this because just because our leaders are not the ones we would prefer, it doesn't mean we get to abandon our faith or walk away from it. Daniel and his friends were faithful because they knew this truth. And I know they knew this truth because if you just flip over a page and read in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, what Daniel told the king, Daniel said this. He said, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. It's important that, that we grab a hold of that and we, we understand that because you'll never have a Daniel-like faith when we try to think that we're somehow in control of the grand scheme of things. Church, let me just pause a morning and let, this morning and ask you a question. Do you have faith that God is in control? Let me just tell you, you know how miserable it would be if we did not believe that God was in control? How horrible of a life it would be if we thought that, that we were somehow in control of who is in control. That means it would just feel like everything is my fault. I'm messing everything up. But it's God that's in control. So we should be faithful to Him and we can be faithful to Him. Because He's in control. He's got a great big plan. Sometimes He puts leaders in place that I like. And sometimes he puts leaders in place that I really don't like. But ultimately, it's his way, not Kevin's way. And I'm telling you, church, you wouldn't want it any other way. Daniel was faithful to serve the king, even though he was not in a situation he would like to be in. Second point I see in this, being a little bit more specific, how were they faithful? How do we know they were faithful? Well, we'll read later that they, they kept prayers and all that. But in verse 8, you see that they were faithful not to defile themselves. So that's point number two. We should be faithful not to defile ourselves. It says in verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine he drank. you you got to realize this morning where, where Daniel was amongst all the other eunuchs. He's, if ever there was an excuse to partake, he had it. And I want to tell you, we're, we're living in a modern day Babylon, whether you believe it or not. As blessed as we are, I just want to tell you, 
We live in a Babylonian type culture. You know that, that some scholars and some even believe that, that the harlot that John the Revelator talks about in Revelation 17, many believe that that is speaking about America. And to be honest, I'll tell you, they, they've got a real point because we live in a world where wrong is right, where truth is despised, where evil is considered good, where good is considered evil. And every minute of every day is filled with temptation to defile ourselves. Imagine yourself being like Daniel and the temptation is just everywhere. And Daniel says, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, church, I want to tell you that here we are thousands of years later. And I want you to know that every person in this place, if you're old enough, Lord, if you're old as Esther, even every person in this place has access to a phone that has instant access to free pornography. Just like that. Within two seconds, you can be in your car and defiling yourself just like that. Drugs and substances that harm our body. It's just a phone call away. I'm a pastor and I don't even know who I would call, but I guarantee you I probably could have it before the sun went down tonight. Well, I'm not into pornography. I'm not into drugs. I ain't got to worry about that. But, but church, let me just tell you, go browse the shows on Netflix sometime. My five-year-old can do that. Go look at Disney Plus and you tell me if the world is not trying to defile God's people. Oh, we must. We must be like Daniel and purpose in our hearts not to defile ourselves. Daniel said no. He said, me and my people, me and my friends, we're not defiling ourselves. How great a day it would be if God's people would start having a heart like Daniel and just start saying no. No, I don't, I don't care. I'm not defiling myself with that TV show. No, I'm not defiling myself with that beverage. No, I'm not defiling myself with that drug. No, I'm not watching that pornography. No, I'm not misplacing my priorities. And I don't care. No, I'm not. My family's not. And I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the king says. I don't care what the president says. I'm going to be like Joshua because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, everything changes. Daniel was able to, to say that because, hey, God's in control and I'm following him. Even as a teenager. Oh, what I wouldn't give to see a bunch of teenage boys like Daniel to stand up, stand up for Jesus and just say no. Why do this? Well, Brother Kevin, we're we're in the New Testament. We're in the New Covenant. We don't have to worry about defiling ourselves. But I beg to differ. First Corinthians 619, the Apostle Paul said this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Oh, Christian, you were bought with a price. It's not your body, so it's really not your choice. Your body is a temple. Don't defile your temple. If you want to have the faith that Daniel had in the lion's den, you need to have the faith that he had in the palace. Be faithful not to defile yourself. And start, start today. Third point this morning. And I love what, I love how Daniel worked this out. I love his confidence. That's that we should have, we should trust 
that God will bless our faithfulness. This is what he said in, in verse 12. Now, what you, you know, the, the chief of the eunuchs, he was actually concerned. And I, I kind of resonate with him. And, you know, it's kind of like our culture today. All around the world today, the doctrine is love yourself. Do as you please. It's all about me, 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 me. Take a kid to a counselor. That's what they'll be encouraged to do. Because in the world's eyes, the problem is not yourself. It's everybody else. But in God's eyes, the problem is me. I need to do something else. I'm defiled. So this is what Daniel says. He says, you know what? Please test your servants for 10 days. And let them give us vegetables and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacy... As you see fit, so deal with your service. In other words, let's just try it out. You do your thing, we'll do our thing, and then just you see. Daniel trusted in God's plan so much, he said, let's just put it to the test. Church, I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you just to put it to the test. Abstain from defiling yourself, and just you see if it's not better for you and your family. Put God's rules to the test and let God work in your life by not defiling your body and not defiling your life with sin. I absolutely guarantee you with the confidence of Daniel, you'll be happier, you'll be healthier, you'll be at peace in the worst of storms, even in a scary Babylonian type culture. Put it to the test. Be faithful in church. Be faithful in small groups. Be faithful in evangelism. And just you see how you come out on the other side. You see, too many of us, too many Christians, we get to a place, we get so immersed in a, a Babylonian type culture where we think it's okay that just because we have Jesus, we can embrace this Babylonian type culture. And pretty soon we become a place that, that the world can't even see a difference. And Daniel says, no, you'll see a difference and it'll be a better difference. We should trust God's rules and God's laws like Daniel and his friends did. Many of the problems the world are facing today could be avoided if we just followed God's rules for our lives. See, church, we can't be a people like the Babylonians. We can't be a people that celebrates sin and be surprised when our culture and our children chooses sin over Jesus. We cannot serve or put other things above God and be surprised when our children do the same. You see the results in verse 18 that, that God just really blessed their faithfulness. It says, At the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among them none was found like Daniel Hanani, Mishael, and Ezra, therefore they serve before the king. And in verse 20 it says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Nebuchadnezzar looked and he was like, Wow, what are these guys doing different? And God blessed them ten times better. I look back at my life, 38 years old now, I grew up in the church, y'all know my story. And I'll share this with you. I look back and I, 
it, it breaks my heart. There's so many I went to, to vacation Bible school with, so many I went to church with that are somewhere else this Sunday morning. But I look back and I see several who have stayed and have stayed true to the faith. And I, I look back and, and what's the thing that I observe? I observe the families who modeled this Daniel-like faithfulness. These families who purposed in their heart not to defile themselves. These families who said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I have seen them stay true. I've looked at the dads that I grew up with that are dads now. I've looked at marriages. And I can tell you, church, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the ones that have braced the biblical model for marriage, their marriage has been blessed far and away more than the friends that I've seen stray away from the faith or not embrace it at all. Church, I, I just promise you that God will honor your faithfulness even in a Babylonian type culture. We get to a point today though, and here's the truth. We, we live in a Babylonian type culture and chances are that everybody in this place today can resonate with something I've said. Well, Brother Kevin, I'm, I'm in trouble. I've, I've, I've done exactly what you said. I've used that phone and I've, I've looked at pornography. I've watched things on Netflix I shouldn't watch. I've treated my wife or I've treated my husband how I shouldn't treat them. I've been a bad dad. I've been unfaithful to Christ and His church. It's too late for me. I'm already defiled. Well... Let me just share this. A Daniel-like faith comes with faith in Jesus. The bad news is it's the truth. You're absolutely defiled. Even worse, you're looking at a man who is as well. The Bible says we've all like sheep have gone astray. But the good news is that Jesus paid that price for all that defilement. If you'll only trust Him and, and that saving grace, church, you can have a faith like Daniel. Because of Jesus and what He did on that cross, He can come in. He can make you new. You can start over. You can have this Daniel-type faith. You can follow Him in all areas of your life. And one day, whoever's looking at you will want to know what made the difference. What made the difference? And the answer is simple. It's not me. It's not that I followed some set of rules. It's that I followed the one that was in control. I followed the King of Kings and I followed the Lord of Lords. He made me new and I was faithful to Him above all else. Church, do you have faith this morning? Are you being faithful? Are you trusting? Oh, I just challenge you this morning. To follow Jesus. And just watch what, what He can do in your life. What in your life is lacking? What would you like to see improve? And are you following the biblical model for that? Are you being a biblical type employee? Are you being a biblical type child? Are you being a biblical type dad? A biblical type mom? Grandmother? Put it to the test and just see God work. Before we get ready to have the invitation, I'll share this with you. Something I thought about this week, Wednesday night or Tuesday night, we got to go to the Sin Law Pregnancy Center Gift of Life Banquet. 
And we heard Kirk Cameron speak, and some of you were there, y'all heard his story, and maybe you already know his story, but I'd never heard his personal testimony. And um, he shared the story how he was 17 years old, probably the same age as Daniel, of devout atheists. In his words, he said that he had his own trinity. He said, you know what, I believed in Jesus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy. It's all make-believe. At 17 years old, he had everything he could ever want. He was driving a sports car, fell in love with this girl, drug him to church, and he heard a guy preach with passion. He said something happened. He was just convicted. On the side of the road, the the way I understood it, he just prayed a, a prayer and just asked God to reveal himself to him. And at some point in his life, he just trusted in Jesus. Now I look back at that, and this morning during the invitation, the devil will use all kinds of excuses to try to keep you from coming up here and doing business with God. I think about Kirk Cameron. You know, I've been a 17-year-old boy. You know, it was hard for a 17-year-old church kid to come to Christ. And I was younger than that, but still, it's hard. I get that. Imagine him, 17 years old. You're in Hollywood. You're probably a millionaire. You're a national celebrity. And you're asking him to put his faith in something outside of himself. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Kirk gave his life to Jesus. And as he was sharing his story, he didn't even share this, but, but I saw the pictures of him and his wife. He married his high school sweetheart. God has blessed his marriage. He's got a huge family. He's only had one wife. He's never been in rehab. He's never had any kind of trouble. And guess what? He's still in movies. You see, that's what my God does. He takes you, you go to Him broken, He makes you complete, and then He just pours out His blessings upon you. Thank God that, that men like Kirk Cameron said, Yes, Lord. But church, you look at the opposite of that. Look at the opposite end of the spectrum. How many teenagers are in Hollywood or right here at home and just say, No, I'm not going to do it. It's just asking too much. I can't sacrifice that. Go look at the story of Lindsay Lohan. Go look at Britney Spears. Go look at Kurt Cobain. The stories go on and on and on. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if I was a lost man and I was examining the life of Hollywood, I'd want to know the difference. And the difference isn't because Kurt Cameron's a great speaker. It's not because he's a great American. It's not because he follows... Uh, a political party. It's not because he's a Republican or a Democrat. It's because he trusted in Jesus and he trusted God's word. And God blessed beyond all measures. And he's still blessing over and over again. Amazing that God would use him to minister to me in Alexandria to share in dry prong. Church, are you trusting? Do you have a Daniel like faith today? Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you'll resolve to stay faithful, even in a crazy culture such as ours. I hope you'll come join me for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in Dry Prong, Louisiana. We also have an evening worship service at 6 p.m. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great week.